Well, I have to tell you, the children's message made me realize that one of the things I'm going to miss the most when I retire is the children. Thank you. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Father, thank you that uh, you give us a song to sing and joy and the opportunity to gather in your house. And Lord, today to sit at your feet and to listen. Give us ears and hearts open to your word. Work in us by your spirit. In your name we pray, amen. I, I promise you I'm not going to use any Jim Carrey movies as an example this week, but I have been thinking of a movie that comes from a time when I was a teenager, the movie Jaws. And there's a scene in that movie where uh, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss sitting in the boat and they're comparing their scars from various shark attacks. And basically the scars kind of tell you a little bit of a story about the character. Well, I'm betting all of us here have scars someplace. I, and, they, and, they, and they probably tell us something about our stories. I have a scar a little tiny one now, up here in the corner above my eye, um, I was hit in the head with a baseball bat, and I had to go to the hospital and get stitches, five whole stitches, and it wasn't really, well, it was kind of my fault, I was standing too close to the kids swinging the bat, and then I have a scar here on my um, thumb. It's a bigger scar, and, and this one is my fault. Um, I could blame it on Linda. She's the one that gave me the pocket knife for Christmas, uh, and I was trying to cut the luggage tag off of my briefcase, but instead of doing the smart thing and cutting away from my body, I grabbed the tag and I went this direction, and you know that knife was sharp. It went right through the tag, right into my thumb, and cut the tendon. Yeah, it hurt. I went into the church, and I was bleeding, and I said to our DCE intern, you got to take me to the hospital, and she said, ah, in a minute, Pastor, and I said, no, you need to take me now, as I bled all over the church carpet. Linda never allowed me to see that knife ever again, Indian giver. <laughs> oh, I could show you some other scars, but you'll be glad that I'm not going to, because they're here. Um, there were scars from where I had gallbladder surgery. We all have scars like that, and then there are, aren't there, scars that are inside. Scars that you can't see with the eye. Scars from hurtful things said or done by others, from life's traumas. Scars from your own sinful actions or mine. And even though they can't be seen, they're real. Believe it or not, that's part of what we've been talking about in this sermon series. We've been talking about what Luther called the seven marks of the church, and in a sense, you could think of them as the seven scars of the church. After all, a scar is a place of healing. If you have a scar, that's actually a good thing compared to what it could be, an open wound. A scar is 
evidence that there's been healing there. I can point you to my scar on my thumb and say it doesn't hurt because it's healed. All right? Well, that's what the marks of the church are. The Word of God, the God makes us wise into salvation through faith in Christ, holy baptism, the, the watermark whereby God war, marks us as His own, holy communion where He nourishes us in the faith, the office of the keys where God speaks forgiveness into our lives, the office of the pastor and of other church workers who are called to be about the care of our souls, worship where He brings all those things together, these marks are places where God does His healing work. In other words, the seven scars of the church. Today we come to the final mark. This one may be the hardest for people to grasp. Luther called this mark the possession of the Holy Cross. Now people... People thought and have misinterpreted that, thinking, well, maybe Luther was talking about churches in his day that were proud of the fact that they claimed to have little parts of the uh, or splinters of the, the cross of Jesus. And that's not what he's talking about. And others have said, well, maybe it's sort of, you might have gotten this idea from what I did in the children's message that he's saying you need to have a cross in your sanctuary if, to be a Christian Christian community, and and I, I get that. People come to me and they say, Pastor, I went to so-and-so church and you know they didn't have a, a cross in their worship center. And it's true that either of those things can tell you something, perhaps, about the theology of the place, but that's not what Luther's talking about. He's talking about what it means to be the church. I want you to listen to how Luther, Paul describes the church. This is in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, And He, this is the Father, put all things under His feet, Jesus' feet, and gave Him, gave Jesus His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Now, you need to understand, notice something, Paul did not say that the church is like a body. It didn't say the church is similar to the body of Christ. He said is. He said the church is the body of Christ in some unimaginable, maybe to us seemingly impossible way except for the working of God. We are literally the body of Christ here on earth. Present where you and I live and work and play. Think of it this way. Remember when Jesus wanted to show Himself to Thomas to prove that He was alive? He showed him His scars. He said, Reach here your hand. Touch me and see. As the body of Christ on earth, He shows Himself to the world in our scars. We are the bearers of the scars of Jesus Christ. That's how He makes Himself known. The marks of the, the mark of the Holy Cross is manifested in the church by the church's suffering. 
I know we, we don't like to think about suffering. Suffering has bad connotation in our minds. So let me give you a different word. The word passion. Now I know you think passion, we think that's something we get all passionate and emotional about, but that's not really what the word means. Passion is another word for suffering. That's why Mel Gibson called his movie the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ. When you say, I have passion about something, what you're saying is that you, you and I are so committed to that thing or that person that we are willing to suffer for it. That's what it means for the church to bear this mark. To be so passionate about Jesus Christ, so committed to Him, that we are willing to suffer for our faith in Him, that we are willing to pay any cost so that others would know about Him. Listen to what Jesus said in today's Gospel. Jesus told His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I want you to think about a story from the book of Acts. Great, great example of what I'm talking about here. Acts chapter 5. Get a chance when you go home. Read Acts chapter 5, especially you have to get past the middle. The, the apostles are in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 5, and they're preaching the Gospel. And so many people are being impacted by the Gospel that it says in Acts 5 that the Jewish leaders were filled with jealousy. And so they, they try imprisoning the apostles in order to shut them up. But it doesn't work because that night God sends an angel who opens the prison doors and the next day there they are back in the middle of the city proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they haul them back in and in the Acts chapter 5 the high priest questioned him. He said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They, they might as well have been talking to the wall. It was like water of a duck's back because then the apostles just started preaching to them. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now they want to kill him. But then a man by Gamaliel stops up. A Pharisee starts, stands up. A Pharisee says, hold on guys, let's think about this for a second. This Jesus thing might be from God and you might find yourself opposing God. And so the text says, Luke tells us, they took his advice. And when they called the apostles in, they beat them up. Charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And then they left, get this, they left the presence of the council 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the dishonor for the name. They left the council rejoicing that they were in possession of the Holy Cross in their wounds and scars. They walked away saying, wow! So this is a little bit of what Jesus did for us. How could they rejoice in their scars? Well, as his scars identified Jesus to Thomas, so they met Jesus in their own scars. They found out that he was alive in them. That they really were the body of Christ on earth, bearing the scars of their Savior. As you look at your physical scars, as you look internally and think about the things that have hurt you, about your painful experiences, about the places where things you've been healed from, know this, possessing the Holy Cross means that you're able to look inside of your own pain and see Jesus there. Let that sink in. This is especially true of the most painful and difficult struggles in life and those moments when you found yourself in trouble of your own making and you got caught. Of those moments when you feel beaten up by life. You can see Jesus at those moments more clearly than ever. Don't get me wrong. Other people outside of the faith have suffering as well, some more than you and me. The difference is that in our lives, we have Jesus in our pain. And no, Jesus doesn't make the pain easier or more tolerable. He intends it to be hard. Like somebody, once, a counselor once told me, it's supposed to be hard, Wayne. Not easy. He wants us to grow. He makes and gives our suffering meaning. He gives it beauty. He gives it reason. I read this this last week in one of my devotions week, we, where, uh, devotion works. In pain, failure, and brokenness, God does His finest work in people. In your pain, God does His finest work in you. In your scars, God gives His most powerful witness through you and me. See, that's what the church is supposed to be. Not a place that helps you escape suffering. You can't. Rather, the church is to be a place that helps you see your hurts and pains in the context of your faith. Helps you to see your story in the context of your Lord's story. So that having, as the Bible says, been united with Him into a, been united with Him into a death like His, we will also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. You know, we've been this last 
seven weeks, and this is the last one of this series, we've been asking the question, what do you look for in a church? What do you expect? And I, I wanted to do this series, and Pastor Ridley and I wanted to do this series, because a lot of people, they say we want a youth, youth program, we want a children's program, we want something for the older people, we want, we want a friendly place, uh, a loving place, and don't get me wrong, all those things are important and things you look for in a church, but I wanted you all to see that there are even more important things to look for in a church. The Word of God, baptism, Holy Communion, the cross, the, the uh, good pastors and teachers and so forth. So what do you look for in a church? You look for a joyful church that bears His scars and that teaches you to see Him in your scars. That teaches you to rejoice in those scars. A church that preaches Christ and Him crucified. A church that calls you, challenges you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.